0: Uh, you know, I, I'm a part of an organization that uh, two thirds of our organization is in decline, uh, and they're in decline because of culture. They want to have the old way. They, they, they go the old direction. It's just the old. Well, I'm sorry, we can't bend on that. And they've taken uh, religious things and turned them into doctrinal. Uh, Biblical things that aren't even hardly in the Bible. From the pages of Church Growth Magazine, helping church leaders implement their vision, this is the Church Growth Magazine podcast with your host, Brian Boyd.
1: Welcome to the Church Growth Magazine podcast, our next edition. I'm your host, Brian Boyd. And this is an honor. I've got a great friend here who we've known each other for a long time. Rich Wilkerson, Sr. Rich, good afternoon.
0: Hey, great to be with you, Brian. And uh, I love this magazine.
1: Well, the magazine loves you. I'm not (laughs) sure if that's true. We've known each other for a long time. I I tell you what, um, Rich and his wife, Robin, pastor uh, church in Miami. I'll I'll let him talk about it. but. I first met Pastor Rich in I want to say 1980, 82, 81, yeah, maybe probably in, yeah. uh, in in Tacoma, Washington, at at the uh, at Life Center, First Limit of God, uh, pastored by Fulton Buntain. And um, what a what a thrill to be sitting here in 2020, 40 years later, and having a chance to to talk again. So I'm I'm really honored that you found time in your schedule to say hi.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, Brian, uh, we weren't, uh, we didn't meet in the nursery. Uh, that's so that's true. Uh, we're, we're, true. We're not forty years old talking here. And, uh, you're yeah. uh, a little bit younger than me, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, it's been a long run, and God's been so yeah. good. And uh, just just thankful for the opportunity to uh, speak with you today.
1: Well, tell us a little bit about Trinity Church in Miami and and, and what you're doing in in Miami.
0: Well, uh, way back, uh, my wife and I were youth directors um, from 1973 until 1980. And then in 1980, uh, we moved to her uh, parents' uh, territory, Tacoma, Washington, where her father was a great pastor. You kn- knew him, Dr. Fulton Buntane And uh, I went on the road. I was on the road for 18 years every Saturday. Uh, I flew somewhere in the world and back on Thursdays, if it was in North America. Uh, did that for 18 years, two and a half million air miles uh, around the world. And uh, we're on international television uh, the last two years of that, twice weekly. And um, yet, all along, the Lord was speaking to my heart about urban ministry. And uh, so in 1998, my wife and I uh, moved our family from Tacoma, Washington, the far north, part of America, uh, unless you include Alaska. <laughs> um, right. And we moved to the far southeast corner of the United States, Miami, Florida, and took what uh, at that time was uh, a, a church that was kind of on its last legs, um, had been a, a great church at one point, but It's down to about 250 folks, and they were predominantly Haitian people uh, uh, right on the I-95 freeway in South Florida Trinity Church. And uh, it was just kind of the facility itself was in tremendous disrepair. But I really felt that the Lord wanted us um, to do urban ministry. And so we moved our family of four, four, our four sons, my wife and I. Uh, oldest boy was 17, youngest uh, was eight years old. And we started and God began to bless us. And we got involved in uh, poverty. And within two and a half years, we uh, wrote our first government contract and uh, won uh, a tremendous government contract locally. And that started us and uh, since that time, we've won over $50 million in government contracts. We've been down just about every poverty uh, trail in Dade County. But because of it, thousands and thousands of people have been touched. Um, we built a great uh, urban church right in the middle of some of the de- most desperate parts.
1: Yeah, it's uh, a great of Miami.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's and, really cool. um, yeah. Then f- f- almost five years ago, our second son. Uh, planted ten miles south of us, we sent a thousand of our people uh, ten miles south of us uh, into Winwood, and then into Little Haiti. And uh, today they have about five thousand people on Sundays. And then um, our oldest son went back to Tacoma, uh, took a church that was um, kind of going down a church uh, for all nations. He now has about 1,500 people. We planted our youngest son in Harlem. He started a church uh, in his living room in Harlem, 800 square feet, and built that up to about 50 people jammed into that little apartment, and we would pass pizza over people's heads. There you go. uh, And this past Sunday, we own a building in Manhattan now, And he has church uh, in his in one of the public schools. They had eight hundred this past Sunday, and then in January, out of our church, I planted. uh, We planted uh, one of our spiritual sons, Terrence Wilson, ten miles west of us in Miramar. And you're from down here, Brian. So you know, Miramar is about ten miles west of Miami Gardens, and that's in Broward County. This past Sunday, we sent five hundred people with him and this past Sunday he had eleven hundred and thirty people. Anyway, wow. this past Easter yeah. all of us together had seventeen thousand folks uh in so church. You, you don't now, you need more now they're all independent they're yeah. all independent of me. They're all my right, kids. Right. But but yeah. they have to stand on their own when we plant. We don't have yeah. them, you know report back to central headquarters. These are right young men of God that are a- able leaders and yeah. Full of the spirit and so God's really blessed from a ghetto church and we call yeah. it the church and the good because when you mix the ghetto and the hood you get the good so anyway um from a from a good church we've seen God spread out we're, we're now in wealthy areas of Dade County we're mm-hmm. we're now in a in a booming area of Broward County and we're in Harlem mm-hmm. the most powerful uh, community in all the world is Manhattan we have a church yeah. in Manhattan now so you know god's been good we're excited about it that's
1: great that's great well i
0: i I admit that i am a hundred years old now so we'll see how long i have
1: (laughs) well everyone has a chance to visit trinity church because trinity streams every every weekend and so i'd encourage you all to, to check out the church online and watch it so church growth magazine is dedicated to helping church leaders tackle the business side the tactical side of running a church and one of those one of those areas is volunteers. How do you mobilize your members or your your attendees to help in the church? Um, years ago, uh, uh, I remember Rich and Robin coining a phrase and it called servant leadership. And and since then, I they, they know they've they've written about it and they've talked about it. But really, I haven't met anyone who's who's really done a great job of of mobilizing your 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 volunteers like Rich and Pastor Rich and Robin Wilkerson have. So, Rich, what is the struggle here? How who volunteers at a church, and how does a church leader, you know, activate activate their membership?
0: Well, it's not a simple answer, Brian, um, but it, it's a possible solution. Um, it, it it this it, for for some that are listening to this podcast, uh, it will be a cross. For others, it's already happening and and it'll be a piece of cake. But it goes to a deeper dilemma than just trying to get people to help you for free. And I just wrote my doctoral dissertation on it, defended it. It's done, it's posted, and it's called Gifters and Lifters. Uh, How a great church stays great, you know, for years to come. And um, the gifters, I just put kind of an arbitrary line at age 40 and above, and the lifters are those under 40. And um, I said that the primary funders of the church are 40 and above, and the primary volunteers or servant leaders are under 40. This does not mean that the two groups don't play in each other's ponds. I mean, I mean, we've got great gifters who are wonderful servant leaders. We've got tremendous young servant leaders who are great givers. But primarily, the, 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 the big money that funds the church comes from those 40 and over. And because in the next in the next 20 years, my age group, which would be still related to the baby boomers, will hand off. Eight point one trillion dollars to nonprofits in the United States wow. of America. So wow. that's where primary funding for all kinds of nonprofit activity comes from. All right, uh, those under forty are the heavy lifters, the the big volunteer force. I'm not saying that older folks don't volunteer, but they're not getting up at five o'clock in the morning to drive the bus to youth camp. Do you see what I'm saying? And a church cannot exist when everybody that does the work is paid. Right. You you can't you can't you can't keep going. And and when when a church fails to have volunteers, now it has to hire people. And in the long run, Jesus said you really can't trust hirelings. Now, that being said, what is a further dilemma to volunteerism. Well, if volunteerism is prominently or predominantly coming from those under 40, why is that the case? Well, that's because that's where the new salvations and, and new members are coming from. Say, what do you mean by that? Well, a source fact tells us that 98% of all Christians in the world accept Christ Before they're 30 years old.
1: Before 30.
0: Before they're 30 years of age. 98% of all believers accept Christ before 30. Now, what does that mean? That means that we in the church are in a massive culture war for souls. You cannot reach the next generation with your culture if you're a baby boomer. When I was a kid, it was a sin to listen to rock and roll music. I'm saying when I'm 15 years old, according to yeah. my parents. Now my right. parents could could listen to their World War II songs, Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree, with anybody else but me. That was okay. But if I played Bob Dylan uh, or any of the pop music of my day, sure. That was a sin. Sure. See, that was religious but the point is one culture just doesn't want to relate to the next culture but if if the souls that are coming to Christ the new blood say the new passing the baton if that's if that's where we've got to play then we've got to get into their culture we can't win them with our culture it's a culture war and what happens in so many great churches is, The gifters who are the predominant funders say, Well, it's going to be my way or the highway. Well, once the lifters know that you're not going to reach to their culture to help them win their friends to Christ, they don't get mad. They just leave. Now, my generation used to get mad. We used to throw hand grenades, have wards burn cities down. This group of millennials and younger. They don't get mad. They just leave. The next Sunday, you'll see 200 people gone, and you say, What happened? Right. Well, they just move, move somewhere where the culture was better in the church that they're attending so that they could right. invite their friends to something that felt normal, even though the mm-hmm. words were Christian. The message yeah. was Jesus. It was done in a different format. That's the dilemma we're facing. So in 2007, we made a massive culture change at Trinity Church. Now my congregation is predominantly African American. We have lots of Caribbean uh, blacks in our church as well, but it was predominantly uh, a Black American culture. We had the choir in, you know, in robes, and we have come this, you know, back and forth, and that was the time when, when uh, you know, the great new shows were on TV, the The voice and the one that preceded it and,
1: and yeah, sure. every
0: dif- different color of young person, every different style of young person was on that. And at that point, um, young blacks began li- liking all kinds of music and and young whites started loving black music and Spanish music and all kind. Of, and because it was everything was switching. And. They wanted lights and they wanted cameras and they wanted it to feel like those TV shows. And so I preached a series and I I talked for, I think, six or eight weeks on change and change or die, you know, as a church. And I finally ended up the last Sunday and I said, now. When this service is over, we're going to strip this sanctuary and next Sunday. Uh, it'll be a little bit dark coming in here, and I, we changed out lights, fog machines, and all kinds of stuff. And this was hard for me. I mean, this was hard for me because I had my way of doing it. But I've right. been convinced that we've got to we've got to move into the next culture. And I and I finished the message. I had enough equity with my people that I felt I could take the risk, Brian. And I said to the people, "We're changing everything. The music's going to change. The feel's going to change." The only thing he's going to say the same is, I'm going to preach the same gospel. We're going to change the culture of this church. And if you're not happy with it, we're going to need your chair. And that, I mean, you could see the people look around like, what? Yeah. And when and within seven days, we had changed the auditorium to the tune of a quarter million dollars. And the next Sunday. It was the same church, but it was a completely shocking cultural change. I didn't know how else to do it. Wow. I think we left lost three families. And we went from about at that time, we had about 1500 people before it was over. We were uh, running in the next uh, in the next seven years. We we averaged 4200 people on Sundays. And that's when we started the massive church plantings out of our church. And we planted with strength the same culture. And um, it's just been a miracle of God. And when that happened, when the culture switch happened, Brian, there was such a flood of young people. I I felt I wondered if I'd ever have to hire another person again. And we grew a, a servant leadership team. To 900 volunteers. Wow. So, you know, God helped us. We started servant leadership in 2007 and uh, had 125 immediately. We grew it to 900 volunteers and then we started planting churches. We now have in Trinity Church, the home church, about 300 volunteers. The church in Miramar has two hundred and fifty volunteers. The church downtown yeah. has about six hundred volunteers, and they're wow. all servant leaders. So well, we've reached out, and the church in Harlem has right at a hundred and twenty-five volunteers. They had eight hundred people Sunday. So
1: so you uh, so all, the, all the, had, the,
0: everything that came out of Trinity, you can see yeah. everything came out of Trinity with a huge lifter bump do you do you just feel giver. like
1: this the way you structured it with trinity and your your planted churches is unique have you seen any other ministries have a similar profile around the world
0: i suppose hillsong would have that kind of a, a look that kind of a mm-hmm. feel yeah. uh so i you know i mean I mean, we're just in one given area except for our New York church and our Tacoma church. But um, they all look alike. Our our churches all kind of look alike. And there's lots of joy. You know, I I thought to myself, well, you know, Trinity, the original home church in in Miami, is getting kind of old. Well, this past week, we had one of the greatest Pentecostal leaders of Norway, a man by the name of uh, Rune Edvardson and he and his wife are wonderful friends of ours and very well known throughout Norway. And they were in our 930 service this past Sunday. And uh, um, my wife spoke with them for quite. I spoke with for a few minutes. Then I had to run uh, to the next service. But Robin stayed with him. And Robin said to me afterwards, she said what they were shocked at was the number of youth and young adults. Well, the 930 service, Brian, is our old crowd. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's our money crowd. That's our old crowd. We have How an many services do you one, have? And we have 930, 1130, and 130.
1: And okay. uh, yeah. the
0: 930 crowds are historic crowd, you know. And that was the crowd that they thought was so young. <laughs> yeah, and I looked at Rob great. and I said, well, I guess we're not dying. So, anyway, uh, so we're able now to plant churches with gifters and lifters, wow. you know, and that's what's do, do exciting. They, so,
1: do the people in those groups know who they are? Do they? Absolutely. Do they? Uh, okay.
0: Absolutely. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, I tell you what, I've, when I've, Fran and I have visited um, and we need to get back down there, uh, it's, you yeah. always roll out the red carpet. And there's a little bottle of water, and you guys are amazing hosts. I'll tell you that. So
0: well, we want we what? want people to know that we were waiting for them. You know,
1: yeah, we reached out yeah. for
0: them, but then we were also waiting for them. That's a church needs to be a place that is waiting for people. That is, and when you're waiting, you're really you're willing to wait on. You've been waiting for them, but then when they arrive, mm-hmm. you're willing to wait on them. Yeah, Uh, you're you become their waiter, you become their hosts and they're just how do you
1: how do you extend your church? We we talked about this on a on a previous podcast, but how do you extend your church into the online audience? What's what's uh, you know, that's almost another campus. I think I don't know how big your online audience is, but some churches have a larger online audience than than an in-house audience.
0: Oh, oh, the uh, well-known pastors have thousands uh, on their online church. But I, I must tell you this, Brian, we don't have a very big online church. Um, we probably have six or 700 people online, but that, that our online church, that's our biggest offering. We have four offerings on Sunday. Wait, one is online. Okay. One more so time. We have, I've never we heard have, that. Go ahead. Okay, we, we have four offerings on Sunday. Now people can give yeah. during the week on you know on text giving, but on Sundays right. uh, there's four offerings. There's a nine thirty offering, the eleven thirty offering, the one thirty offering, and the online offering. the The online offering is always the biggest offering of the day.
1: Wow! It's
0: always the biggest offering. So. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great audience and, and we, we try to cater to them. I try to look right into the, uh, you know, into the camera, but I also try right. to address them, uh, during the service. Um, obviously it's hard to, to be real, you know, like it doesn't, it's not the same for me as, as the people that are sitting there looking at me, but right. I think it can just about feel the same for that person that's watching online. Right. As long as whoever's leading the services is aware that they're watching and they're in your heart, they're in your thoughts uh when you're preaching, they're in your thoughts and, and you right. you're you're not just catering to people in this room but uh you're also catering to your stream. You're serving them as well. It's all about serving. Right. Everything's about serving.
1: And I think that's a, a funnel for new, new members of the church. I'm sure
0: as well. Oh, no doubt. In. No doubt. Yeah.
1: So if it, let's wrap up here in a minute. And I, I just want to make sure that if, if I'm a pastor and I've got a two, 250 300 person congregation, what's one tactical thing I can do right now to, to help me, you know, activate those, those
0: lifters. Um, First of all, I would personally get in the hallway as soon as you're done preaching. Okay. I'd get in the hallway, the lobby, and I would look for people that are young, that look like, man, how did I show up here? And I'd run to that person. And I'd say, I'm Pastor Rich, can I meet you, blah, 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 blah. And if you can get their contact, I'm not saying if you're a man, you're not going to do this to a young woman, right? But the point is, that you see some young men. You know, if you're a, if you're a lady pastor, you see young women get their contact. Is there a chance that I could take you to lunch or breakfast this week? I'd love to get to know you. Once, once, once people that come know the pastor is interested in them. Now I know that if you're listening, your church has. A thousand or two thousand is a little bit more difficult, but you can still take a shot at it. And that you reach to those people that are young. Now, once you have a group with uh, that, that are willing to meet with you, you got to ask, what what could I do as a leader to you know to improve our work with young adults? How could I attract them? And they may some say some things that are just going to absolutely shred you, break your heart, right. make you feel like you're the biggest idiot on the planet. You know what I'm saying? But uh, you got yeah. you got to be willing to have that conversation. Uh, you know, I, I'm a part of an organization that uh, two-thirds of our organization is in decline. Uh, and they're in decline because of culture. They want to have the old way. They go the old direction. It's just the old, well, I'm sorry, we can't bend on that. And they've taken uh, religious things and turned them into doctrinal, uh, biblical things mm-hmm. that aren't even hardly in the Bible. It's just right. religion. And remember that, 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 that it always boils down, can you reach new people? Well, the new people you're going to reach based upon the numbers and the science. Are those under 30? Those are people in the world that are still making up their mind about God. People that are 50 have either said no to him for the last time in their life or accepted him a long time ago. So I'm not preaching to win people uh, as new members that are 100 years old. I can't do that. That's my age group. All right. Right. And only 2% of the Christians in the world are going to get saved after 30 get where the war is you know um so i mean that that's yeah. that's what i'm saying you pastors have Good. got to wake up to this i wrote an entire dissertation it will become a book um in the next uh, year or so but the point is i wrote a whole dissertation on it i've got exercises in the dissertation as to how to bring the two groups together in your church so it, it, it's, a, it's a study on my part that I feel uh, better impact some people or they're never going to come out of the death mode into in the life mode again that, that's well, we'll have you, that's my own opinion well,
1: No you're awesome rich. I think we'll we'll have you back when that comes out. I uh, I gotta add one one thing I as a as a high schooler growing up at at Life Center in Tacoma, Washington. I um, was pretty involved in the audio video department. So I found that's where I wanted to volunteer. And, and there were a couple of people there that just made me feel welcome. And I, I, I couldn't wait to finish school and drive to church to volunteer every day, whether it was exactly. you know, coiling, coiling cables or setting up for the big Christmas presentation. And so there was, uh, uh, of course, the pastors, the youth pastors all were amazing. There was a guy named a uh, gentleman named Jim Angelo who sure. was in charge of that and just just really made all the all the young guys, volunteers, the young ladies feel at home and, and just valued. And uh and those are really I look back so fondly at those years of of helping with the church and on the audio video and the tech. And to some extent what I'm doing today in technology and marketing it comes from that. So that sure. those years shaped shaped me and and you and and Robin uh, shaped my wife and I. And so, for that, we're really, really thankful. Thankful.
0: You're so kind. Well, I, Brian.
1: No, it's true. And and uh, every, you know, the Wilkerson family, you really guys have a lot of a lot of favor. And um, you and your sons and your 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 daughters-in-law and <laughs> you'll all have uh, uh, great ministries. And so, I'd encourage whether you're in California or New York or t- Seattle or Tacoma or Miami, all corners of the United States, you can visit a, a church. <laughs> got them all covered. Um and before we go I just want to just touch on one thing. Last year you had a or the, yeah, in 19 I think, you had a book come out called all, I Choose Honor. And uh trying to about living life with honor. Just touch on that a little bit cuz it was a it was a great read and tell me more about about I Choose Honor so folks can learn
0: about that. Thank you so much Brian. Yeah, we came out with the book in April of this past year, just a few months back actually. And um, it's it, Honor Is the one we have seven core values in our church, and those core values drive everything we do. Churches all over the country use our seven core values, but one of those core values is honor, and it's called Honor is Our Calling. We feel called of God to honor people, and we kiss up and we kiss down. And we kiss all around because uh, that's what the word worship means in Greek, in the Greek. It It's called it's it's a Greek word called prashkaneo. And the metaphor of prashkaneo in the Greek is a dog licking its master's hands. And another line that comes from that is kissing upward, literally kissing upward. And in our society, uh, kissing up is a really bad term. But in the Greek, it was a good. It, sh- it it meant that you were honoring those above you. But we take it a step further, and I choose honor. And that's it. It's not good enough just to honor up. God's called us to honor down and honor all around. Those go. that some would say are lower than me. Oh, well, I'm way too good. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not better than anybody. Everybody was birthed by God Almighty. However they got here, he is the originator. Jesus was slain from the foundations of the earth for that individual. So if Jesus was slain for that individual, I have no option but to honor that individual and when you honor people that naturally in your context people would say you're an idiot for honoring that person when you honor that it opens doors brian that i cannot describe to you that's another 30 minute discussion i'm just telling you honor is 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 a is a component to the christian's life that when they choose it everything opens up
1: that's awesome. You can find out more about, about Rich's book, I Choose Honor, at com, And he's got a great feature there. You can drop your email and he'll send you a free sample uh, of, of the book. So I encourage you all to go there. And you can learn more about Rich Wilkerson and read his daily blog at RichWilkerson.com. And Rich is so good at this. He is he is just Diligent at putting out content on rich wilkerson.com and so definitely, definitely go there and add on so much value. I can't tell you. And um, if you have any questions for Rich and you want to reach out to him, just email us here at the magazine, Brian at churchgrowthmagazine.com, and I will field those and and do what we can to get get feedback for you. But uh, Rich, thank you so much for spending time. We could talk for hours. And we definitely, if you'd love to, we'd love to have you back and we could talk some more, help, help these you, churches Brian, around. Thank you, Brian. It
0: would be my home. honor. Thank you. I can't believe I get this opportunity. You're the best. God bless. And uh, we'll talk again.
1: All right. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next time here on the Church Growth Magazine podcast.